Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Well, good morning, everybody. I want to just remind you that we have our It's Complicated cards. I've handed out a bunch of these. I hope you do, too. I left it. I opened up a P.O. box this week, and I left it on the counter, and this girl said, Sir, you you forgot your credit card. (laughs) I said, No, here it is. This is for you. Life's complicated. And uh, I don't know. Are you here today? No, she's not here. It'd be really embarrassing if she was. (laughs) She's like, Oh, gosh, I'm never coming back. Anyways, hand these out. There's a bunch of them in the back. You can go ahead and hand these out to folks, and it's just an easy way to maybe put it with your receipt when you pay for a meal and say, hey, life's complicated. Come hear about, come hear about it at our church. Secondly, we have uh, Halloween's coming up this week, and I encourage you to maybe throw a party, maybe invite your friends and family over, invite neighbors over. Uh, and uh, we, we just, my kids love free candy, so sorry, guys. My kids go trick-or-treating, but hopefully you don't think that I'm a terrible person for that. Uh, but uh, I think my daughter's going to be a cheerleader, and my son's going to dress up as a politician. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's got a tr- Justin Trudeau outfit. Um, but um, so that was not a political agenda. That was just a comment. <laughs> it's just a joke. I don't know. I don't know. A red tie, a power tie. And uh, these cards here are just for you to hand out. So just very, they're very simple, just orange for Halloween. And uh, we have these little uh, invitation on the back. Sunday, you're invited. And uh, Brittany put these together for us. Let's give Brittany a hand for all she does for the church. And uh, so, yeah, hand these out. Put these with your little candy bags and just hand them out. People come out and just, hey, invite them to church. You know what? You don't even have to say anything. Just put the card in their bag and just walk away and just trick them into having it. You know, one year we did uh, fortune cookies that with your invited to church. And I was like, man, that's a little intrusive. Like they open it up and there's an invitation to a church there. Like, you know, your life will be better if you go to church and come to our church, you know. So anyways, we grab these in the back. I think they're somewhere. I don't know. Somebody can find out where they are and hand them out to somebody. So. I don't know. They're back there somewhere. Anyways, we're going to get into our series today. If it's your first time with us here today, I want to welcome you. Um, and if this is your first uh, you know, week in our It's a Complicated series, um, you can go back online. They're all available on our website, uh, lovecitychurch.ca forward slash sermons. So um, we're going to get into it today. I got a lot to share with you, a lot to say. And uh, it's going to be great today as we get into the word. Uh, it's complicated. Part three, where we've been is we've been looking at a story in the Bible uh, in the beginning of Genesis chapter uh, two. And, you know, I, I could go through all the different ways about uh, relationships being complicated, but I, I could probably imagine that by a show of hands, how many of you believe that relationships are complicated. Come on, let's see your hands today. I shared last week that I read that book, The the Hidden Connection Between Stress and Adrenaline, and they identified two of the major stress causes of stress disease in specifically men's lives. Over 70% of men uh, have a a form of stress disease in their life, and one of them I forgot still, because I didn't actually read the book since then, and uh, the one of the two was people. People were the number one cause, or the, the one of two causes of stress in the lives of people. And so people can be complicated. People can cause problems. People can be a challenge. And so family and, uh, and dating can be complicated and friendship can be complicated and all sorts of things in our complicated relationships. Marriage can be complicated. Uh, it's just complicated. It's just 
just complicated. And so we're going to talk about that today. And so what we've been, we've been in Genesis chapter uh, 2, verses 15 to 18. And let me just give you a quick little, a little taste of where we've been. Uh, chapter 1, Moses wrote in Genesis chapter 1, he identified uh, that in Genesis chapter 1 was like the, the creation. It was how he created uh, the heavens and the earth, how God did. And, and then chapter 2 was basically a zoomed in version. Moses thought, let's take a little bit of a closer look at the interaction between God the creator and his his creation Adam and he laid out two specific things for Adam to understand about his life he made him he put him in the garden of Eden when he put him in the garden of Eden he gave him a purpose he says I want you to work the, the land work the soil work you know be with the animals and then he put him in the garden and he had this conversation with Adam and we identified there's two things that God identified to Adam to keep him healthy in his life the first thing he read in Genesis chapter 2 he said in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 is the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it but the Lord God warned him you may freely eat of the fruit of tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil if you eat its fruit you are sure to die and if you've been here already, this will sound like a recap, but it's important to say it every single week, that basically God was saying, you got to choose me over the tree. you got to choose me. If you choose me, and you choose the life that I've given you, and you choose the experiences that I'm giving you, and you basically have everything you're ever going to need in a relationship with me, but I'm going to give you the option to choose the tree. The tree will give you information and understanding about things other than God. And so you'll have information about evil, knowledge of good, knowledge of evil, all sorts of things that really won't benefit you in the long run. Just stay focused on me. Don't choose the tree and he says if you choose the tree if you choose your way the bible says he warns you you will surely die and so as we started this relationship series i identified that you cannot uh, read self-help books about your relationships you cannot go to a series and come in at part three and think okay i'm going to apply part three part four and part five without going back to part one that you will never ever have healthy uncomplicated relationships until you first primarily choose to follow Jesus Christ. The only way to have a healthy relationship, the only way to have uncomplicated relationships is if you're constantly choosing Jesus Christ in everything, every area of your life, in every relationship, in everything you do and say. If you choose God over the tree, the Bible says you will surely live. You will have life. You'll have health. You'll have fulfillment. And so we have to start there. You've got to start by having a relationship with Jesus Christ who loves you so much. He gave his life and he died for you and he rose uh, rose again from the dead and now he gives each of us new life and the bible says that god has given us everything that we need to live a godly life that means you and i can actually experience everything god intended for our lives right now in this lifetime but you've got to choose him over the tree and so you may say, Ryan, man, my marriage isn't working out. I don't know what to do. We go to counseling. We pay all this money for counseling. And he's just not communicating right. And she's just not listening. Listen, go back to your relationship with Jesus. Start there. Because if you start to have a relationship with Jesus again and start to read his word again and start to be a part of a community again, you'll find that you'll begin to think differently, your perspectives differently. And now your ambition is not to serve yourself, but to serve the other person in the relationship. So he got to choose the tree. And so that's what God said to Adam. And then he came to the second statement in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the two things that God said to Adam was, number one, choose me. Number two, you can't do it alone. It ain't healthy. 
I've observed you. I've watched you. I've seen your life. You've been naming the animals. You've been doing fine. Nothing indicated that Adam wasn't satisfied. Nothing indicated that Adam couldn't make it. Nothing indicated in the entire story that Adam was unhappy with his life of naming animals. <laughs> but God looked at him and said, you know, it's just not healthy. You're just not healthy alone. Many of us are in relationship, yet we're still alone. Many of us are in relationship, yet we actually don't have a real godly relationship with that person. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. So we gather four things from this one verse, four thoughts that, that um, the Lord showed me in this verse about relationship. The first one we talked about is, like I just said, you're not meant to be alone. It's not good for you. The second one we talked about last week was God wants to provide godly, healthy relationships for you, but you must let him. Listen to that last week, the, the message last week, and talk about some of the ways we don't let God provide relationships in our lives. And the third one today, we're going to talk about, very simple, as we'll see on the, uh, on the screen, it says, I will make a helper who is just right for him. I will make a helper, the relationship God gives you, very simple, should help you. We're going to talk about what it looks like to be a help, what that looks like, a godly relationship, what a godly relationship looks like. So if you have a relationship that doesn't look like this, you might want to stand back and say, I wonder if this relationship is of God. Or I wonder if there's some, the, there's some choices of the tree in this relationship. And so... I believe the scripture identifies very clearly what a godly relationship looks like. And so he identifies that the relationship that God gives you, it should help you in life. It should benefit you in life. Look at the definition of helper, assistance and support in times of hardship and distress. Uh, the Hebrew word for suitable, which is the, the actual phrase is a suitable helper, suggests something that completes a polarity as the North Pole is suitable to the South Pole. So left to right, up to down, North Pole to South Pole. They balance one another out. There's a balance. There's a coherency. There's a unity in that. This idea of helper is, is that it's almost like this back and forth, this left to right, this kind of hot to cold. When, when you're down, they're up. When you're up, they're down. When you're left, they're right. When you're right, they're left. There's this polarity in the relationship. And God wants to give you a partnership with people, friends, spouses, girlfriends, boyfriends, and only girlfriend, boyfriends if you're single, of course. Um, he wants to give you these types of relationships. <laughs> yeah, I'm married and God wants to give me a girlfriend. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pol there's polarity in these relationships that God wants to provide for your life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to camp in a different uh, scripture. It's found by a man uh, named Solomon. Solomon wrote this verse and he, God came to him and said, listen, almost like a genie. It's a little odd. I'm going to give you whatever you ask for. You have one wish. <laughs> and he said, I wish for wisdom because I want to rule your kingdom well. And then God gave him everything. Because the Bible says the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And so Solomon was a man who feared God, had wisdom in his life. He had actually incredible wisdom. The wisest man on the planet. And he wrote in this book called Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes uh, verse 4, 7 to 8. This is going to be a little depressing, this first part. So hold on. This first part's a little depressing because Solomon's having a bad day. But then we'll get to the good stuff. Don't worry. Verse 7 to 8. It says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. Jeez, man. Go to the beach or something. This is the case of a man who is all alone. Without a child, without a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? 
is also so meaningless and depressing. <laughs> this man is working. He says, okay, I've observed a man. He doesn't have any relationship. Specifically, he has no child. Specifically, he has no brother. But he has no relationship. And his whole role and goal in life is to work and to make money. His only goal in life is to work. He, he works and he works and he works. And he comes to a point where he asks himself this question. I found it very interesting that the man did not say, what am I working for? He said, who am I working for? Why am I doing this? Why am I spending my whole life getting up early in the morning, fighting this terrible Calgary and tra construction traffic, going to work, hanging out with people that I don't really like, we're paid to be together, basically. <laughs> and then I go to lunch with people I don't want to eat with. And I call and text the people that I would love to be with. And then I get home and I'm tired and I want to be with my kids and I want to be with my family, but I'm super tired, so I'm a little disconnected. And then by the time my kids finally calm down and go to bed, I'm going to sit with my spouse or my wife or my friends or go hang out. And I feel just disconnected. And I just, I feel like my whole life is this rat race of just cyclical, same old, same old, work the job, build the business, go to work, come back to work, go on vacation, do this thing. Who am I doing this for? What is the point of all of this? And it's all all centered around relationship. He identifies that there is this internal rat race in all of us to just work life, just to work the pavement, just to make it happen, just to go from point A to point B. And what Solomon is saying is that I observed a man who went from point A to point B, but he had no relationship and he came to a conclusion and he realized this is pointless. This is depressing. This is not fun. Why am I putting off the pleasures of life just to work, 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 work? It's interesting because he says this, and then he transitions into this next verse. So he's talking about a man working, going to work. He, he's alone. He's working. Who am I working for? What am I doing this for? What's the point of this life? And then, interestingly enough, he transitions into relationship, and he actually gives us three types of, uh, uh, of examples or definitions of what a godly relationship looks like. He comes into Genesis, or I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes uh, verse 9. Look at this. Two people, so rat race, why am I working, no, no relationship. Then he says two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, another example, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? Another example, a person standing alone can be attacked and, and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. There are even, uh, three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So when God created uh, uh, the humans, how many did he create? Two. He didn't create just one. He created two humans. And so he said, okay, this is how life should work for you. You should be in pairs. You should be in relationship. You should be together. Two are better than one. And look what he says in this verse. He says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. That phrase there, help each other succeed, is like a, a banking term. It's like, it's like a transactional term. It's, it's uh, if you ever heard the, the term the ROI, re return on your investment. All the people in the room who are in finances are like, ooh, I like this talk. <laughs> 
return on your investment. And so what he's saying here is that if you're going to invest something into, with your life, if you're going to invest in your job, you're going to invest into a career, you're going to invest into whatever, your life, the transaction, the investment will actually bear more fruit. It'll have more investment value. Your return on your investment in your life will be better if you do it with someone else. If you try to make investments with your life into this life without being, and I'm going to pay you very clear, in godly relationships, you will not see a return on the investments that you are making in your life. Even if you're in ministry and you're doing it alone. Even if you're building a godly business, but you're doing it alone. Even if you're a, a stay-at-home mom, but you're isolated and you're doing it alone. We could all do this life alone. And what the scripture's saying here, as you invest into your children, as you invest into your business, as you invest into your life, if you're trying to do this isolated and alone, you will not have a good reward. You will not receive the benefits of what God is trying to do through your life if you're simply trying to build this life for yourself alone. The scripture here, Solomon, in all of his wisdom says, listen, if you would like a return on your investment. Now, this is like a key. Imagine for a moment I'm dangling a set of keys here. This, this word relationship is a key to your momentum in life. This is a prophetic thought for some of you. Some of you are stuck in life. It's like you're walking through life. You've got momentum, and all of a sudden you hit that door of life. Ever hit that door of life where your momentum's going really, really good, and all of a sudden you just sense, man, things are just, it's like a standstill. I just feel stuck. I can't move forward, and I don't know why I can't progress through this door of life. I believe one of the keys God gives us outside of a personal relationship with him, outside of his inspiration through his word, I believe the first one is choosing God over the tree. The second one is he dangle, he gives you the key of a relationship in your life. Often this key of relationship will open the door of momentum in your life and will allow you to keep moving forward. That's only if the relationship is a godly relationship that helps you. One of the biggest reasons most people are stuck in their spiritual journey is because they're A, doing it alone, B, doing it with the wrong people. You've chosen to invest your life into individuals who do not help you. They do not benefit you. You've been given this key to open the door to the momentum of your life and we choose to not use the key and you're going to continue to be stuck in your life. You're going to continue to come up against that wall. Let's look at a few examples. Acts 16, 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside, Paul, uh, to the city gate, to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer, looking for a church. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who'd gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of the household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. Look at this last phrase. And she persuaded us. Lydia was the first Christian convert in Europe. Paul had done all of his ministry in Asia. He'd seen great success in Asia. And God was now calling him to go to Europe. The only way that Paul could get to fulfill the purposes of God in his life, to open 
The door to Europe was through a relationship with Lydia. This relationship, she was a woman. In those days, women were greatly disregarded as insignificant. The fact that Paul went over to talk to Lydia in this group of women showed that Paul didn't see the, 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 uh, the, the social norms of that day. He looked at this woman and realized there's, an there's a key here. This woman is a key to my fulfillment of my life. Plus, she also traveled with Paul for many years. She was one of the great converts, opened the door to Europe, and many of the churches that you read about in all of Europe came from this one moment. All because a relational key, Paul decided, I'm not going to try to do this on my own. I'm going to be in relationship with someone who's going to help me. We see it again in the next verse. Actually, no, I'm, we're not going to go there yet. <laughs> Let me give you the three things from this verse that Ecclesiastes says. He says, okay, two are better than one. If you invest your life with relationship, if you invest your life in godly relationships, you will see a return on your investment. And then he, I want to identify what those three, three, God, three ways to be a godly friend or three things that we do to show that your relationships are godly. Actually, it's a way to identify, you can look at the relationships in your life and understand, are they, are they here to help me and these are ways to know. Are these relationships helpful to me? And these are three things that these relationships do. And remember, uh, you have to also do these for other people. First one, it says this in Ecclesiastes 4.10. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Godly relationships pull you up. They pull you up. They pull you out. The physical connotation of this verse is that, uh, that, that a man fell into a ditch or a woman fell into a ditch. It was an accident. It was a car accident. And this friend came to their aid. But the, there's a deeper meaning here. There's a deeper reality here. This actually speaks to the idea of failure in life. That when you experience failure in your life, when you set out to start that business and it fails, when you set out to marry that person and it falls apart, when you set out to have that child and you can't quite have that child, you set out to, to do this or you set out to do that and you find yourself in a place where you have failed. Have anyone ever failed in the room? Been in the position where you have failed so miserably, you don't even want to get up. You don't even want to climb out. You want to stay in the bed. You want to draw the shades. You want to turn on Kenny G or whatever you listen to. You sit in there. You want to be in a place in the ditch that you're in. I don't listen to Kenny G, by the way, <laughs> except at Christmas time. Come on, somebody. You're in a place where you failed. You've reached this place in life where you've miserably screwed up. This could be sin. Maybe you were married and you had an affair or, or maybe you were investing money in the wrong place and it fell apart or maybe your pride got you in trouble at your church or in a relationship and so it was your sin that got you into a place of failure and now you're laying in a ditch waiting for someone to come and help you because you don't have the willpower or the tenacity or the strength to pull yourself out and yeah, I pray and yeah, I read my Bible. You know what I'm saying? I pray and I read my Bible, but that sure doesn't work sometimes. Bring that Bible down and I read that. I am more than a conqueror through Christ. I sure don't feel like it. Ah, God, you're with me. Aren't you with me? God, where are you, God? Man, you just feel like all the spiritual things we're supposed to do sometimes just don't work. And that's why God created Eve. When Adam was in a place of failure, 
her role as a helper was to pick him up. And this failure idea actually happened to Peter. Peter, as you probably know, for those of you who don't, I'll bring you into the story. Peter stood up in front of the whole leadership team at the church and said, I want everyone to know here today that if, uh, if Jesus dies, like he says he's going to die, I'm going to die with him. I'm going to be the first. I'm going to die for Jesus. And Jesus says, uh, Peter, chill out, dude. Like, take it easy. No, I'm going to die, everybody. I'm going to die for Jesus. I'm going to be a martyr for the Lord. And then Jesus goes to trial. And he's in the courthouse on trial for being a blasphemer saying he's God. Peter's outside the courthouse and a girl walks up and says, hey, aren't you friends with the guy on trial? What are you talking about? I don't know that guy. The next person, hey, do you, you sound like you know, you've been hanging out with Jesus. I do not know that man. Three times, Peter stabbed Jesus in the back. Three times, Peter just drove a, a wedge against Jesus' back. He, he stabbed him in the back. He denied him. He rejected him. He failed completely. Jesus died on the cross. He was put into a grave for three days. He rose on the third day. And look, look what Jesus gave the angel. angel. Hey, I want, you to, I want you to text this to, uh, to the disciples. I want you to send this message to them. Look what he says in Mark chapter 16. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. Jesus' first comment was to make sure that my buddy who failed, he knows it's going to be okay. And then Peter, in, in his, in his uh, just life, he thought, you know what? Who cares? I'm going fishing again. So he goes fishing, and he goes off back into the boat, and they're fishing, and they fish all night long, and they caught nothing. And then there's this man, this random person, standing on the edge of the shore and says, hey, have you caught anything? And Peter says, no, shut up, you jerk. And he says, throw your nets on the other side. And so they throw their nets on the other side, and they caught so much fish. And the one Jesus loves, John, says, oh my gosh, I think that's Jesus. And Peter, it says in the scripture, he was naked, but he's probably wearing underwear, but who knows? He's totally naked, throws his cloak back on, jumps into the water, swims up to the shore, and there's Jesus cooking fish right on the fire, and they have breakfast together. And then Jesus comes over to Peter, and he says this to him. He puts his arm around him, and he says this. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you? Then feed my lambs. Jesus walked up to to Jesus and put his arm around him and said, hey, can I talk with you real quick? And everyone, everyone around the fire, all the disciples are like, ooh, he's about to get smacked. There's <laughs> just like a big, there's a big elephant in the room, right? Jesus comes back and everyone's like, oh, Peter said he was going to die and, you know, here he is and he denied him and we were all there inside. Oh, this is going to be brutal. Jesus comes back and everyone sees the fire in Jesus' eyes and thinks, oh my gosh, he's going to get slapped. And he grabs Peter and takes him aside and says, hey, Peter, are we good? Because are, are we doing all right? She says, yes, Jesus, you know, I just I screwed up. She says, I want you to keep going. I want you to keep leading. I want you to keep serving. I want you to keep, make, listen, I called you to be a rock. I called you to build my church. I said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want you to know you're still called of God. You're still anointed of God. I know you screwed up. I know you fell morally. I know you blew up your finances. I know that you fall flat on your face and you're still lying there this morning. The word of the Lord for you today is that a good friend, his name is Jesus. He comes and he picks you up and he wants to give you relationships in your life that will come in your life and say, listen, I want to pick you up. But there's a key here. Many of us find ourselves in relationships with people that do the opposite. 
I know that when I've experienced great bitterness or anger in my life, I had a season of ministry where I was pretty upset with God and pretty upset with pastors and pretty upset with church and pretty upset with Christians, basically. I hear Christians talking like, ah, oh, shut up. You know what you're talking about. You've gone through, I've gone through, you don't know, you know my history. All ticked off and angry, and I would go talk to people and say, yeah, blah, 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 you know, and they'd say, yeah, they'd get in the ditch with me. Blowing up and throwing up on each other. Not literally, it's figurative. It's gross. See, the problem is, is that whenever we're going through a season where we're in failure, where we're falling short, we go look for people who will get in the ditch with us. We look for folks who are going to sympathize with the fact that, man, I can't believe he said that to me. Yeah, I can't believe that either. That guy's a real jerk. But doesn't he love you a lot? And he's your friend? No, he's not. No, no, he's not my friend. He hates you. Yeah, you're right. He hates you. You've got to start choosing friends who want to help you. Don't let them get in the ditch with you. If someone gets in the ditch with you and starts letting you do that, come on. they got to get it out. All right, get it out. All right. Oh, are you done? Is your tummy empty? Okay. Let's move on. You need to get out of the dang ditch. You need to, you need to forgive. You need to let it go. Come on, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to sympathize with you, and I'm going to empathize with you, and I'm going to be your brother, and I'm going to encourage you, and I'm going to at this moment, I'm reaching my hand down and saying, get out of the stinking ditch. Stop choosing friends. Stop being in relationships that leave you in the ditch and join you there. That is not a godly relationship. And I want you to hear what I'm about to say. The investments you make in your life will not succeed if you spend time with those people. You wonder why you can't see progress in your walk with God. You wonder why you can't see progress in your journey. It's because you're putting people in your life who, who their investments are bad too. Partner yourself with people who believe in you, who will, who will sympathize with you, who will see where you're at in life, who will see the ditch you're in and identify the ditch you're in and how you got there, but recognize that those people have to help you get out of that ditch. And that's your job for them too. The second thought here this morning. The second thought here this morning is that Ecclesiastes 4.11, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? God, the relationships pull you in. They pull you close. This is super awkward. <laughs> when someone is facing a season of their life of disappointment, shame, pain, and it's not a matter of bitterness, it's not a matter of anger, it's just a matter of a, a tough season of life. Maybe they've lost someone or maybe their hopes have been deferred and so their heart is sick. A godly relationship will lift the cover up and get into the bed with you and keep you warm. And when I say that, does that make you feel a little awkward? See, it does for me. <laughs> Getting in a warm blanket with Andrew Ling is going to be an awkward moment. I'm the little spoon. <laughs> it's awkward. These are the moments when this person comes to you and says, hey, I'd like to confess something to you. 
man, I've been sleeping around or I've been doing this or man, I've been investing my money here. I got something to tell you. I'm about to divulge for you the darkness of my soul. And our tendency is to say, ooh, that's awkward. The Bible says here that, that a godly relationship gets in the covers with you. They, they actually bring you close. They actually, you lay down next to them and you find yourself, the vitality and the health that's from your body will begin to fill their body as you wrap yourself around them and begin to bring warmth to them and bring comfort to them and bring love to them. See, that is a godly relationship. The opposite of that is that when you're in a relationship with someone and you don't feel like you can be open and vulnerable with them because they might reject you. See, many of us reject people in their sin and the areas of their life because we don't want them to know that we got the same stuff going on in our lives. And the way to identify a real godly relationship that will, that, will, that will cause there to be great success in your life is to be willing to open your life up to others who are godly so that they can get in with you and say, yeah, that's pretty dirty. Yeah, that's pretty gross. Yeah, that's pretty disgusting. But guess what? So is my life. And in that, you will see that there is great, great, great success in your investments in life. That if you're pairing with someone who will get close to you, get in the covers with you. Now, this is not referring to a sexual relationship. Just let me say that. It's also not necessarily referring to marriage. This is talking about a man doing life alone. And Ecclesiastes, Solomon saying, listen, if you, if you could get into the covers with somebody, Get close to somebody. This is one of the biggest issues I believe, I personally believe, that is wrong or maybe, I don't know if that's the right word, but just give me grace. A word like that <laughs> with the church. I had someone ask me a question the other day, and I won't say who it is, but she knows who she is. She said, hey, how are you doing? I said, good. She goes, I have a feeling you want me to tell you that I want the real answer. And I said, Actually, it's been a crappy week for me, and this is why. At that moment, relationally, as friends or partners or a pastor, we came close together. On our men's breakfast, on Thursday mornings, we come close. We divulge stuff. We talk. We're open. In our women's groups, we're open. We talk. We come close. You can, if you do not have a relationship where you're getting into the covers with that person and letting the warmth and the vitality of their life speak into your life in the darkest parts of their life, you are not going to see a good reward or a good return on your investments. You've got to have those relationships. You've got to have those things in your life. Let's read the scripture in John 15, 23. It says, For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. You have to be willing to sacrifice your life for your friend's life. Last one here this morning, and then we're going to end our time together. Ecclesiastes 4.12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. God relationships got your back. When you're feeling isolated, when you're feeling alone, you got to remember that the enemy is out to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. The way the enemy can kill and steal and destroy is if A, you're alone, or B, you're in a relationship with someone who is not helping you. 
He wants to isolate you. He wants to get you alone. He wants to get you by yourself so that he can tempt you or he can discourage you or he can depress you. He wants to get you by yourself and you have to have someone that you can stand back to back with and fight the same enemy in the same moment, in the same season, with the same weapon, going after the same, imagine that for a minute, back to back with a sword, fighting off the enemy. You know someone is behind you fighting this enemy off on your behalf. Now, if you take the person away and I'm fighting the same battle, what's going on behind me? Being attacked from behind. <laughs> so, Ryan, why do I get these random thoughts out of nowhere and why do I struggle in this way? It's because you've only, you're only fighting on one side. What God wants to do is he wants to bring you a relationship into your life that will get behind your back and say, I got your back, brother. You're facing that temptation. You give me a call. Let's do this together. Come on. Come on, man. I'm at home. I'm feeling lonely and depressed when I'm home with these kids all day long. I don't know what to do. I feel discouraged. You got to get on the phone and call that girl. Call that sister and say, all right, sister, I, I need you to fight this battle with me. I need you to get your sword out. We need to read the word together. You got to get your prayer. Come on, let's pray together. Come on, let's just stir our faith up. Let's begin to speak in our spiritual language together. Come on, let's just stir each other up. You got to fight with one another. The Bible says, if you try to fight on your own, you will be defeated. That Hebrew word defeated, listen to this, means overwhelmed. <laughs> How many of you have ever been in that season alone where you feel overwhelmed? Oh, I can't do this. I can't make it. It's too much. Too much temptation, too much challenge, too many kids. <laughs> I'm weak at it, Erica. <laughs> There's too much going on, and I am overwhelmed. That is a sign from God that you're about to be defeated. And you got to get a godly relationship in your life. He's going to get your back and say, hey, Ryan, did you know that you're fighting this direction? Man, the enemy's over here planning. He's got a sniper up there on the mountaintop about to take you out from behind, brother. He's like, I'm going to get him. Gets his gun out and takes that guy out. Prays a specific prayer. I didn't even see that. It reads a specific prayer. Bible scripture says a specific thing, encourages my soul. Godly relationships pull you up, they pull you in, and they got your back. Now, stop for a minute and look at your relationships and ask yourself this question. Are you in a godly relationship? Because if you're not, I want to give you a pastoral encouragement today. The Bible very clear, you cannot do this alone. So if you're in a relationship with someone who's not helping you, you're in a relationship with someone who's not lifting you up. You're in a relationship with someone who isn't drawn close to you. You're in a relationship with someone who doesn't got your back. I want to strongly encourage you today to consider praying about how to find other godly relationships you can be in. Because I plead with you today, you won't make it. You won't make it. But the Bible very clearly says, if you want to be a conqueror, if you want to make it, if you want to overcome, if you want to see all the investments you make in your life succeed, Partner yourself with people who want to help your life. Would you stand with me this morning? Come on, bow your heads. We pray every week, and I want to pray for a moment. Then we're going to release you in just a few seconds. Would you close your eyes this morning just as we end our time together? Every week I do this, and I do this just to give everyone an opportunity to receive some prayer, just to identify there's an idea of faith here, that faith is a response. And so 
we ask you to raise your hand as a faith response to say, yes, I'm responding to the word. I'm responding to the seed of God's word that's been planted. And I identify that I want God to change my life in this area. Pray for two people. First person I'm going to pray for today. And I want you to raise your hand today if you say, Ryan, I'm doing life alone. I've been investing into relationships that maybe aren't healthy. Or Ryan, I'm, I'm doing it alone and I just need godly relationships in my life come on with every eye closed i'm not going to call you forward would you just place your hand in the air just so i can see you and know who i'm praying for this morning come on amen come on several people across the room thank you lord come on father i pray for those people right now God, i pray that even right now lord that you would drop those keys god i just even pray that you'd open their eyes to see lord you've already given them everything they need so that means You've already given them this relationship. You've already identified that relationship. Now, right now, I pray that you would open up their eyes to see the relationship that you partnered them with. And Lord, I pray that they would lean in crazy aggressively, lean into that relationship, God. Identify that they need that partnership. I pray against all fear of rejection. I pray against all fear of reproach or shame. I pray against all pain and injury of the past and relationships, Christians who've let you down and been rude to you or other folks who haven't loved you like they should. Lord, I pray even right now you would give them a fresh courage and a fresh faith to step out of their realm of comfortability. And Lord, lean in to those godly relationships. Give them the strength to sever relationships that are unhealthy and to reinvest into ones that are. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, and one last prayer. Every eye closed. Anybody in the room today say, Ryan, I just, man, I need to start a relationship with God today. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus, or maybe you're here today and you say, Ryan, I used to be a follower of God and I've fallen away. And, and you say, Ryan, today I want to give my life to God once again. I want to dedicate my life to Jesus once again. Come on, would you just wave your hand in the air real quick just for two seconds? Let me see so I can pray with you today. Come on, anybody today say, Ryan, I just want to accept Jesus Christ into my life today. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, repeat after me today. Church, we're just going to say a prayer. And I want you to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I come to you today in need of you. I need your love. I need your partnership. I need your grace. I admit that I'm in need of you, God. I confess all my sin to you today and I declare that I believe you are God. I give my life to you. I give my heart to you and I commit my, my, my heart to you again, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.